We called in the big guns for today's episode. Uh, today's guest is David Gasper, editor-in-chief of ReviewingTheBrew.com, uh, the prospect writer covering the Brewers for Prospects 1500. And I wanted to talk about, one, Jackson Churio, amazing breakout talent of the year, should he be the number one overall prospect. We talked about all of these outfitters. We talked about the state of the pitching. We talked about who might get called up in September. Wide-ranging conversation. Hope you enjoy. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As promised, we are giving the people what they want. We are doing the Brewers show. Um, My guest today, David Gasper, editor-in-chief of ReviewingTheBrew.com, host of the Cold Brew Pod, love the name, Uh, prospects writer for the Brewers for Prospects 1500, and then host of Sports on Deck, Saturday mornings uh, at 10 a.m. on iHeartRadio. David, thanks for being here. And to to kick everything off with Brewers Talk, first question is, should Jackson Churio be the number one prospect in baseball? (laughs) Yeah, man, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I think he should. Uh, The the way that he's been uh, performing – this season, what he's been able to do has been absolutely incredible. At 18 years old, I mean, coming up, making his full season debut in May, youngest player in, in the Carolina League, youngest player in A-ball, and just absolutely dominating it. And putting up the numbers that he put up with, with the average, the power, the, the on-base ability, the, the doubles, the speed, everything showing off five-tool potential. And then earning a promotion midseason to high A after already doing all this as the youngest player in low A. Now the youngest player in high A by several more months. Uh, it, is, it has been absolutely impressive what he's been able to do all season. And, I mean, this is something that looks to be quite sustainable. His swing is absolute beauty. Like, it, it is just a gorgeous swing. And he makes contact. And he makes hard contact all the time. So he's jumped himself up there. I know Baseball America uh, has put him up as the number two overall prospect. And Mm -hmm. Josh Norris has been really the the big driver of that train. But, I mean, what, you got only Gunnar Henderson above above him with the Orioles, and uh, he's pretty much ready to uh, graduate, essentially. So, I mean, Churio's next in line. Yeah, and it's – it's something where going into the season, you know, the, the the prospect apparatus, the people like me who look from the national level, we knew Churio had a lot of potential, but I probably would have had him as, I don't know, maybe the 10th overall prospect in this system going into the year. Where do you think that that we got it wrong? Is it something where he just progressed more than we could have expected? Or is it something where maybe we undervalued the hit tool or the power tool or or the defense given the position change? Like where, where do you think we got it wrong? You know, I, I think with Churio, as with a lot of young international guys, there's just not a lot of track record to go on. I mean, as prospect guys, you know, we, we like track records. We like seeing a history of success and Churio. I mean, being a, an international signee in 2021, I mean, we saw his DSL numbers. I mean, they were, they were solid. He had 296. 833 OPS, you know, five home runs, seven doubles. I mean, solid numbers, but I mean, nothing, you know, overly 
uh, incredible. And we've seen a lot of prospects put up numbers like that in the DSL who never really go on to be anything. Right. Um, so I think it's just that lack of track record going into it where it's just like, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. He could be a, a slow, you know, developing kid as a lot of international prospects are. Um, you know, that, that five tool potential is there for a lot of players. A lot of them just don't end up realizing it. But Turio, you know, so far appears to be one who's realizing it pretty quickly um, and has developed pretty quickly, which is, you know, great to see. But, I mean, going into the season, I mean, it, it's hard to beat ourselves up too much for it just because, look, all you, all you had were 45 games in the Dominican Summer League to go off of. You know, we, we didn't really have too much more going in. Um, but, you know, as they got into extended spring training or, or even regular spring training, you know, the Brewers were seeing a little bit more of him and be like, okay, the, this seems like some pretty good development development here. And he's taken off like a rocket ever since. Yeah. And it's something to, to hit 324, 373, 600 at age 18 in low A is like, to me, that's the biggest part is he's, He's younger than a lot of guys in A ball, whether it's low A or high A, and he's still putting up such a great stat line. And to be a number two prospect already at age 18, now in high A, uh, I'm kind of worried to ask, what's the ceiling for Jackson Churio? I mean, is this a, a multi-year all-star potential MVP candidate ceiling? Is this a, a very, very solid you know, uh, contending for all-star ceiling. Where's the ceiling for Jackson Shurio based off what we've seen so far? So his manager down in Carolina, Victor Estevez, he gave this comp for Churio. He comped him to Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, so that is your, your perennial all-star type player. And, you know, uh, plenty of other evaluators have looked at him as well. And it's like they, they see five-tool potential superstar here like your Acuna's like your uh pre-PED pre-injury Fernando Tatis Jr. uh and guys like that that have been you know coming up at very young ages and just have incredible hit tools um you know your Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s your Wander Franco's your your top overall prospects in baseball you know that's really kind of the the mold that he seems to be coming from uh, and that Acuna Jr. comp, uh, that, that's, that's one that I've seen a lot, um, not just from Estevez, but, I mean, obviously his manager in Carolina was pretty close to him and, and got an up-close view every single day. And if he's making that comp, that, that says something to me. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest vote of confidence you could possibly give. And kind of before he comes up, because the thought process would be for anybody in this situation is he'd have a couple years before he'd be up and – you know, even if he were to be a quick mover, you're looking at probably age 20 before he would debut. In the meantime, the Brewers have so many outfielders that are in the top 10 and that are, are I mean, top prospects. I was kind of going through and looking at grades, and I'm like, you know, Sal Frelick's probably a 55. And then after that, you've got a ton of guys that are like kind of around a 50 grade. A Joey Weimer and a Stewie Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell, maybe a Lewis Lara. Not quite sure how we feel about him, but was having all of these outfielders, all these these top prospects be outfielders, was this like an organizational philosophy? Was this some sort of developmental success, or did it just kind of happen out of coincidence? 
I feel like it's been an organizational philosophy ever since David Stearns came in. It's been all about the the outfield. I mean, we saw it in his first few years when he accumulated, you know, Brett Phillips, uh, Lewis Brinson, Domingo Santana, uh, you know, guys like that, Keon Broxton. A lot of those guys didn't end up panning out. But then it's like, okay, well, then let's get Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. And, you know, they just keep on piling on with the outfielders. And then, yeah, the last few years with the draft, uh, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, first-round picks. Uh, they've been performing extremely well. They're up in AAA. Joey Weimer's up in AAA. He's developed well. Uh, Esteri Ruiz now. You get him at the deadline, another outfield prospect. Uh, Churio in, in there as well. Yeah, you got Luis Lara, who I also I, I do really like uh, down in the DSL. But I think he's going to be, you know, he's still a little bit further away. Yeah. But how it's going to work is going to be – Incredible. I don't think Christian Yelich is long for the big league outfield. Uh, if he keeps playing like this defensively, first of all, but especially if all these guys come up and reach their potential, there's, you know, it, it would just make more sense to move Yelich to, to DH or, or something in order to get some of these guys out there. I mean, if, if Garrett Mitchell has to be your left fielder, like that's pretty dang good, uh, <laughs> especially defensively. That's that's not a bad result if 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 yeah you know, Garrett Mitchell, a top ten prospect, is playing left field for you. Yeah, I kind of feel that. Excited to bring you more of the conversation with David. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Uh, you're hanging out with some friends, you're putting back a few drinks, watching baseball, and a few becomes a few too many. As an evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but. No, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill somebody? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We are talking to to David Gasper, editor-in-chief of reviewingthebrew.com and a prospects writer for Prospects 1500 covering the Brewers. Uh, and, and you had a piece just recently on reviewingthebrew.com about guys to come up for the stretch run. And you you picked out Bryce Terang, which makes a lot of sense. They've gotten him a lot of work in center field uh, at third base and second base. And so to kind of give him multiple options, because Taylor Walls is pretty submitted there at short. But then you also su- suggested Esteri Ruiz and Sal Frelick. How much of a role do you see them having as far as playing full-time versus how much are they there for kind of situational stuff? I I think about like Esteri Ruiz and his speed, how useful that would be, how every playoff team has that one guy who's there to play defense late and to pinch run and to do stuff like that. How much do you see those guys playing full-time as rookies in September in the playoffs versus just being there situationally? You know, I could see some some pretty decently regular opportunities for, you know, guys like Terang and Ruiz. I mean, center field has been somewhat of a black hole for the Brewers all season with Lorenzo Cain and then, you know, cutting him loose. And then Tyrone Taylor and 
know, Jonathan Davis, you know, he's been a stopgap and he's been all right, but I think they need to be looking for some better potential out of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they call, uh, I, I think Terang is most likely to get called up. I think Ruiz should get called up as well. If they bring up both of them, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, first of all, I think Davis is going to be showing the door, but, you know, I think that would also lead to more regular opportunities for Ruiz potentially uh, Terang, but there could be some more opportunities for Terang at third base as well. Uh, Luis Arias hasn't been having that great of a season. There could be some opportunities at second base for him. And, you know, he may not be an everyday guy in September this year, but I think Terang is most likely the Brewers' regular second baseman next year. Uh, Willie Willie Adamas is entrenched at shortstop, so he's probably not going to get too many opportunities there. But... Wong has a contract option that's up. So I think second base is going to be Terang's future in the short term. Uh, but he can play, you know, any of those spots in the infield plus center field. I, I think that versatility is going to lead to him uh, being called up. Plus his Rule 5 status this November is going to need to be added anyways. Might as well get a look at him now. That was the very next place I was going with that is Ruiz is already on the 40 man, Frelick's not. And so I feel like of those two guys, Ruiz is the choice. And then, like you said, Tarang, you have to make that decision on him sooner rather than later. So I get it. Go ahead and 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 do that. So when you're looking at these all of these outfielders, and we'll leave Shurio out of it because he's a little little bit farther away, but Frelick and Weimer and Ruiz, uh, it 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 an outside observer might be like, you've got three center fielders. Like in a perfect world, where do you deploy everybody to maximize their skills and what they what they can bring to the table to kind of differentiate? Because that's a conversation that we've had with uh, – that's something the Diamondbacks guys are talking about now because they've got Alex Thomas and Corbin Carroll and Drew Jones. When they're all up, where do you play them? Same thing here. Where do you play Frelick and Weimer and Ruiz in a perfect world in the outfield together? I think Joey Weimer is going to be a right fielder long term, provided he's able to get those strikeouts down and, can, and continue to, to up that hit tool enough to make use of his power. He's got an absolute cannon for an arm that is just perfect for right field, plus his immense power at the plate makes him perfect for a corner spot. I think that's going to be him long term. Center field, you know, yeah, you could really go with, with any of those options. I mean, just fine defensively. Freelick, Churio, uh, Ruiz, you know, Churio is going to be a, a little bit down the road, but. You know, I, I think Freelick is probably going to reach the majors first and, and get that first, uh, or at least over Mitchell, uh, and get that first crack at it uh, for, for center field. Ruiz, he could end up taking over center field as well. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think Freelick has enough power to handle left, to, to be a good fit in left field. Um, he could handle it defensively just fine, uh, but his offensive profile doesn't fit left field as well. Uh, I'm not sure how much – I don't think Ruiz is going to bring too much power to the plate, but, you know, still it's probably going to be more than what uh, Freelick uh, brings there. But, you know, even if even if you don't get as much power from whoever's over in left field over there, um, with where you are defensively and what they bring as, as an on-base threat, uh, I, I think that would be excellent for them. And – Really, Mitchell probably could be their long-term left fielder if Freelick or Ruiz end up claiming center field. And if not, Churio will end up claiming it long-term probably. Yeah, it's something where you kind of have the chance to let the depth work itself out. You know, somebody's probably not going to hit or somebody's not going to be held at the same time. And depth always has a way of working itself out. Uh, But talking about depth, 
And you mentioned to rank like next year, probably being the second baseman. Something that I noticed when I looked in the top, you know, top 20 or so kind of recently, there's quite a few second basemen in this system. If you go and you look like a Tyler Black listed as a second baseman, Felix Valerio, a little bit younger, obviously, Robert Moore just drafted as a second baseman. Uh, is that something where you think management's looking at specific tools and they're saying, we're going to take these tools, the athletes, and we know that we can move them if we have a log jam at second? Or is it something where they specifically said we need to have more options in the middle infield? Yeah, I think that's been the Brewers' MO for the past couple of years. They love athletes. They love up-the-middle athletes. They've been drafting pretty much solely up-the-middle, uh, especially with their early position players, for the past couple of years. It's it's shortstops, it's center fielders. Um, and then, obviously, this year, it's, it's been a lot of second basemen. I mean, Eric Brown Jr. could end up long-term being a second baseman as well. And Robert Moore could be a second baseman. You know, they could play some short, but more likely a second baseman. Um, but they just love elite athletes. And, you know, if you are that good of an athlete and you can play up the middle, you can play pretty much anywhere. You can play third. You can play first. You can play left field. You can play right field. Um, so you can move them anywhere. But, you know, that that's really kind of been their their strategy for sure the, the last couple of years. Up the middle, toolsy athletes. Um, that, that's really kind of been, been their thing. Just whoever's the most athletic is going to be who they, who they target in the draft and, you know, in trades or, or elsewhere. I mean, Stereo Ruiz, obviously, is going to be one of your more elite athletes with, what, 70 stolen bases on the season now? I mean, 80-grade speed. Garrett Mitchell, pretty much 80-grade speed. Like, speed, athleticism. That has been really their their big traits, and and of course, bat to ball skills in recent years. Yeah, like definitely making a premium of the the contact tool because it, at the end of the day, power is only as good as your contact tool. And if you can't right. make quality contact, it doesn't matter how hard you can hit the ball. Um, kind of pivoting for a second, and and something that I noticed is the pitching depth in this system. Like like we said, a lot of outfielders, a lot of up the middle guys. Uh, pitchers, you have to scroll a little bit farther through the top 30 to find some pitchers. And you've got a, you know, a Robert Gasser acquired at the deadline, probably 10 or 11 overall prospect. Jacob Mizorowski draft pick is probably right there around nine or 10. And then you've got a guy like Ethan Small, 14 or 15. Is there any concern, I guess, among fans or just kind of internally about there's not enough pitching help coming for the big league club? Yeah, I, I think a little bit, um, at least for me. Uh, you know, I've really liked, you know, I've liked Ethan Small. I liked Gasser. I wanted them to draft him to begin with. Um, I like Mizorowski, but he's going to take a while to to develop as well. Uh, but then, I mean, your other guys like your Carlos Rodriguez, Russell Smith, uh, Logan Henderson, I mean, those guys don't really have super high ceilings, uh, I don't think. And, I mean, granted that they – they used to be stocked with pitching prospects, and those pitching prospects were Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, and they turned into their you know, stud out. aces. You know, yeah, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. But um, and you got um, you had Aaron Ashby in there as well. Uh, they've signed Peralta and Ashby to pretty team friendly contract extensions, and I am hoping, knock on wood, that they can sign Burns and Woodruff uh, to one as well, or hopefully at least Burns. I, I don't have my hopes too high, but I'm going to speak it into existence. Uh, but, you know, if those guys end up leaving, then yeah, you're, you're going to have Peralta and you're going to have Ashby that are going to be around for a while, but then you got to, you got to backfill with a little bit more. And 
Uh, I'd like to see them go after some more high-end uh, pitching prospects. And, you know, I thought they might go that route early in the draft this year. They go with Eric Brown Jr. Um, and, you know, they do need the bats, and they are pretty well stocked on bats, but they are going to have to backfill uh, with some pitching. So I think it's good that they got Gasser to really kind of help that out, you know, help out backfill it a little bit. Um, but it, it's going to be uh, intriguing to see how they address this going forward because they are going to need to stock up on some more pitching prospects uh, if they're going to keep if they're going to keep that as one of the strengths of their team because that that's been the strength of their development program right. for the past couple of years. They can develop pitchers, and I, I think when they go into the draft with some of these guys, they'll target them a little bit further down and just rely on their development program to turn them into, into quality big league pitchers instead of targeting uh, your guys like Ethan Small and, and making first-round picks on them. Yeah. We're joined by David Gasper, editor-in-chief of ReviewingTheBrew.com, Brewers prospect writer for Prospects 1500, and then host of the Cold Brew Pod, as well as the Sports on Deck show Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on iHeartRadio. Uh, I feel like it's kind of the elephant in the room. We probably have to address this. The Josh Hader trade. Uh, what what were your thoughts about sending sending what's considered to be an elite closer out for a package of of prospects? Yeah, that uh, trade has not gone over too well in the Brewers fandom. Um, and like, really on its face, like I was I was initially fine with the trade. You know, getting the four pieces back, it's like okay, you get Rogers back, makes sense. You get a couple of really good prospects in Ruiz and Gasser. You get a you know a solid big league arm if you can get them right into Nelson Lamette. and but it's like okay they, they have to have some bigger plan coming through to address the the big league needs and that never happened they ended up trading a pretty good pitching prospect in Antoine Kelly to get Matt Bush and then they traded a pretty solid outfield prospect in Tristan Peters a top twenty prospect for some reason for Trevor Rosenthal who hasn't pitched in two years but you know that's I, I digress. And, yeah, they didn't follow it through with, with getting a, a big-time bat to help out this team. And, you know, I think that definitely hit the clubhouse pretty hard. But, yeah, I mean, the, and then really DFAing Lamette is what really just kind of set me off on the, on the hater trade. Because, you know, it seemed like a good trade at first. After that, it just seemed like a, a horrible idea and, and they didn't really have a plan for it and, and didn't really seem to know what they were doing once they sent out Lamette. And it's really just kind of been, it's been going over like a lead balloon uh, in Milwaukee pretty much ever since. I mean, I like Ruiz. I like Gasser. I I think those are good additions to the organization. Mm -hmm. I think Ruiz should have been called up as soon as they made that trade. He he should have been on the big league roster on August 3rd uh, when when he was able to to get into into town right at the deadline. That's where he should have been. I don't know what he's still doing down in AAA. Yeah, and like you said in the piece, I mean, it's very good odds. He's he's one of the ones called up for September, finally getting him back up. I mean, the Padres had him up, and it's something where you get him and you mentally put him in AAA, and kind of the question is, why would you do something like that? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it is what it is, and sometimes we don't always understand the, uh, the, the machinations of the front office, and sometimes it looks like they don't either, but it's fine. Um, so as we sit here, kind of competing for the, you know, this is a Thursday show, the, the, the 25th, sitting here competing for the third wildcard spot. Um, how, 
what are your feelings about the the chances of the Brewers to to make it to that spot and make some hay in the playoffs? What do you think the outlook is right now? I think the outlook is is probably a little pessimistic right now. I mean, their their playoff chances have taken a have taken a nosedive. I mean, they were up in you know pretty much the nineties and and way up there is a chance to win the division. I mean, now they're five and a half games back and um, their chances of making the playoffs are about 50-50. And, you know, I, I think with how this clubhouse has responded and, and, you know, they've really kind of struggled with it and the message from the front office was not a positive one. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to see them right now as currently constructed being able to make some noise in the playoffs. They live and die by the home run. You know, if they're able to get hot heading into October and, and hit some home runs, perhaps they can go far. But you're also going to be facing elite pitching stabs. That's going to make it harder. You're going to be facing elite offenses. That's going to put more pressure on your offense to score enough runs to keep pace. And I just I just don't know if they have enough firepower to do it. Perhaps adding a guy like Asturia Ruiz or Bryce Terang, adding them into the mix, you know, could provide some fire and, and could provide, you know, a spark for this offense and, and get them to where they need to be. But it's hard to it's hard to truly know until they end up getting called up. Right, right. Want to kind of close it out with a little bit of pro, you know uh, back to the prospects talk what we do. So if you haven't checked out Prospects fifteen hundred, the way that that the site lays out the the rankings of the prospects, it's a nice visual chart where it has all five teams in the division, tier one, tier two, tier three, and you know they're ranked on skill. So if you haven't checked it out. Go use it. It's a tool I use just about every day when I'm writing and constructing this show. Uh, who is somebody in the Brewer system that's a little bit lower, um, maybe on those tiers or on the top 30 list that we should be talking more about? We should be giving more attention to than we're not. I think one of those guys, and one of these guys that I really like um, over the past year or so that uh, I've been watching is Stephen Cruz. Uh, right-handed pitcher, just got promoted to high A Carolina, put up some crazy numbers in the DSL last year, ended up getting uh, promoted to, to low A Carolina, made a stateside debut this year, pitched pretty well, got the promotion, um, has some really nasty stuff. Uh, you know, really good, really good fastball, nasty stuff uh, with, with the secondary pitches. And, then, you know, I think if they're able to, to refine him, you know, refine that command, uh, you know, make those secondary pitches and, and that fastball more consistent. I, I think he's someone that could have a lot of success, and that's relying again, you know, on, on that Brewers pitching development program. Uh, but Cruz is someone that I've really kind of kept an eye on, and he's been steadily uh, creeping up some lists and, and making uh, making some noise. Uh, he's someone that that I am certainly watching uh, a, as he goes through here. Um, Henry Mendez is another one that, that I really like. I know he's you know a little bit higher, but uh, he's someone that is kind of a, a quieter member of that group that has been down in Carolina, but has been putting up some steady numbers and and showing really great bat ball contact skills. Uh, another outfielder, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. So, so David, if my listeners want more info about the Brewers. Uh, this organization, this team, where can they go to, to read you, to listen to you, to follow you and support you and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much all my brewer stuff is going to be at reviewing the uh, You can head there. Uh, yeah, that's where my, my article on, you know, September call candidates is, um, 
I got my podcast, Cold Brew Podcast. You can find you know anywhere uh, that, that you listen to podcasts and um, my show on, on iHeartRadio. You can find it anywhere worldwide on the iHeartRadio app, Saturdays at 10 a.m. I'll have podcasts with that. So even if you miss uh, an episode, you can find the podcast there. So uh, plenty of plenty of ways to find me. Um, yeah, Prospects 1500. I got my Brewers Top 50 rankings there. Uh, and of course, follow me on Twitter at dgasper24. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can listen to Locked On <laughs> Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, stay tuned. Tomorrow is a Farm Friday. We're talking about the Miami Marlins digging through their farm system. Until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.